And now, shining the spotlight on the future of hockey, the World Juniors. Joshua Wall walks in, got the one Major Junior. This is Logan Stankoven. I play for the Cowboys Blazers. Hey, it's Matt Potter from the Guelph Storm. This is Axler LaRue from the Halifax Moosehead. Natai Gauthier. I play for the Quebec Ramparts. Hey, guys. This is Ty Nelson from the North Day Battalion, and this is the Pipeline Show. NCAA. This is Ryan McAllister for the Western Michigan Broncos. This is Wyatt Kaiser from Minnesota Duluth. This is Brock Faber from the University of Minnesota. The NHL Draft. This is Adam Fantilli of the University of Michigan. This is Ryan Leonard. I play for Team USA. I'm Nate Danielson of the Brandon Lee Kings. My name is Adam Guyam. I'm playing for Chippewa Field. Hi, I'm Grayson Sochin. I'm with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Hey, this is Jacob Fowler, goaltender for the Youngstown Phantoms. I'm Connor Bedard for the Regina Pats, and this is the Pipeline Show. And more. Brandon! This is the Pipeline Show. Great weekend, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Pipeline Show. My name is Guy Flaming. Really appreciate you stopping by. And whether you're downloading this week's episode and you're getting it from iTunes or Spotify, iHeartRadio, wherever you're getting your podcast from, thank you for doing so. If you're at home and listening online or driving around in your car and you've got Edmonton Sports Talk teed up, well, thank you for doing that as well. Really excited to be part of the Friends of EST. You can hear the Pipeline Show on uh, Saturdays at noon or Monday evenings at 8 p.m. right here on EdmontonSportsTalk.com. The Pipeline Show is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky because you can't win friends with salad. It's Alberta's best beef jerky. It's the best beef jerky I've ever had. If you haven't tried it yet, I don't know what you're doing. Get out to Leduc or Spruce Grove or West Edmonton Mall and pick up some beef jerky. Do it today if you don't happen to be in the Edmonton area. But you're in Western Canada, well, you are in luck. Go to wilhawkbeefjerky.com, W-I-L-H-A-U-K, beefjerky.com. Any order, any size, anywhere in Western Canada, they will ship it to you. Tell them the pipeline shows, ain't ya? As always, we start the episode off with various news and notes, and we'll begin with the CHL's top 10 this week. Coming into this weekend's play, the top 10 always comes out in the middle of the week. So there's been a handful of games played across the country since the top 10 has come out. But the Portland Winterhawks, back-to-back, a number one ranking. And they are looking very good. Just laid an absolute beating on the uh, Brandon Weekings, 11-1 in the middle of this past week. Uh, the OHL's London Knights are ranked number two, followed by the Halifax Mooseheads out of the queue. And you got two more WHL teams, Saskatoon, followed by Moose Jaw, coming in at four and five. The Rouen Duranda Huskies out of the queue are in the number six spot. Saginaw hosting the Memorial Cup this year. They come in at seven. The Prince George Cougars holding down the number eight spot. The Mississauga Steelheads and the Ottawa 67s round out the top ten. The top squad out of the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League right now, according to the standings, would be the Schwinnigan Cataract, who are in first place in the Western Conference with a 750 winning percentage. They're followed closely by Rowan Naranda and the Sherbrooke Phoenix. And in the East, Baycomo is on top of the pack, but they've played more games than anybody else. The Moncton Wildcats, the Halifax Mooseheads, Charlottetown, and Cape Breton all trying to track down the Drakkar right now. The top scorers in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League will maybe just look at the top five or so. And I'm going to butcher this player's name, but it looks like Milo, Milo Rollins plays for Acadie Bathurst. 
He has 16 points in 11 games. Three players tied with 15 points, so it's a pretty close race. Yoan Lashing from the Moncton Wildcats, Tommy Cormier from the Victoriaville Tigre, and uh, Robert Orr, who was originally drafted by the Carolina Hurricanes a couple of years back in 2021, not signed though. Uh, he plays uh, currently for Acadie Bathurst as well. A number of players with 14 points. So uh, like I said, scoring race in the queue is uh, very, very tight. Why don't we jump over to the Ontario Hockey League? Nice to see parity again in the OHL. Right now, the Mississauga Steelheads are 8-2. and two. They have an 800 winning percentage. They're the only club that's at that mark, though. There's a lot of teams who are in the 600 to 700 winning percentage range, like Peterborough and Ottawa. The Sudbury Wolves right behind uh, the Mississauga Steelheads. And boy, they just uh, got a huge addition to their team in Dalibor Dvorsky. Coming over from Sweden, he played 10 games pro over there, not getting any ice time, so he relocates to the OHL. That should do wonders for the Wolves, who already were doing pretty well this year. In the Midwest Division, the London Knights and the Kitchener Rangers appear to be the class of the division. London has a one-point lead over Kitchener right now, but the Rangers have a game in hand. Not too far behind them, both Owen Sound and Guelph are above 600 winning percentage, so the four teams in that division all doing very well. The Erie Otters limping out of the gate uh, thus far, but the team in the OHL that's really struggling in the early going of the season, well, two of them really, the Windsor Spitfires and the Brantford Bulldogs. Now, both of those teams have been uh, contenders for the last two or three seasons, so eventually it's junior hockey catches up to you, and they would be at the bottom of their cycle right now. Leading the way offensively in the OHL, Luke Misa, who is Michael Misa's uh, older brother. He plays for Mississauga. He's got 17 points in uh, 10 games. A trio of players tied for second place. All of them teammates with the Kitchener Rangers. Adrian Maseljevic, Carson Rakop, who is a uh, Seattle Kraken recent draft pick, and Hunter Brustevich, the defenseman also recently drafted by the Vancouver Canucks. All of those guys with 16 points. Jack Beck rounds out the top five. He plays for the Sioux Greyhounds. A couple of other drafted players who are near the pack. Denver Barkey of the London Knights, the Philadelphia Flyers selection. And Artu Karki, who belongs to the Vegas Golden Knights, plays for the Sioux Greyhounds. He's got 12 points this year, too. Let's leap over to the uh, Western Hockey League. Teams starting to separate themselves now as the uh, season continues on. In the Western Conference, I mentioned the Portland Winterhawks, the number one ranked team in the entire Canadian Hockey League, and deservedly so. They're 7-1 to begin the season, scoring a lot, not getting scored on very much. They are winners of seven in a row. The Winterhawks are the real deal and probably the team to beat. Now, they are tied points-wise with the Prince George Cougars. The Cougars have played two more games, though, uh, but that is also a very, very formidable team. But everybody has to be looking over their shoulder a little bit at the Seattle Thunderbirds, who have only played five games. Now, we're going to talk about the T-Birds in today's show, so I'm not going to harp on this, but they've only played five games out of the gate. Everybody else has played at least seven. I believe the Vancouver Giants have only played six. Most teams have played 10, 11, 12 games, but not Seattle. They are, they are going to have a uh, very hectic schedule, though, beginning this weekend. They're in Calgary on Friday. Edmonton on Sunday. They end up playing six games all on the road over the next nine days. But so far, the T-Birds are 4-1. and one. So winning percentage-wise, they are second best in the WHL. 
in the Eastern Conference, you've got the Saskatoon Blades who are on top, the Regina Pats somehow, and I've spoken with people much closer to the situation there in Regina. I think there's a, a bit of a feeling of, I don't know how we're doing it, but we're doing it. A lot of people pick the Pats to miss the playoffs this year. This is a year after Connor Bedard, and yet they are winning. And maybe that's just something to rally around as a team. Everyone's counting us out. We'll show them. They have played 11 games, and they have a record of 7-3-1 coming into this weekend's play. It's a bit similar with the Prince Albert Raiders. They have some high-end talent. I don't know if their depth is there to be able to keep this pace all year, but they're third right now in the East. Starting to gain some traction under the Red Deer Rebels. They've only played eight games. They played the least in the Eastern Conference, but they are 3-0-0-1 in their last four Two of those games against the Edmonton Oil Kings, who are on the opposite side of that hot streak. They are losers of six in a row. They will actually be taking on the Seattle Thunderbirds on Sunday. A tough blow for the Oil Kings. Uh, Their top scorer, Aiden Litke, announced on Friday that uh, he is done for the year. 20-year-old player that uh, played most of his career with the Portland Winterhawks. Edmonton picked him up in the offseason, and he's looked really good for the Oil Kings. That is a big blow to a team that is trying to make headway this year. I won't be surprised if uh, Edmonton looks outside the the organization for another 20-year-old option. Right now, they've got uh, Mark Lejoie, who's been terrific for them on the blue line. Ty Nash, who hasn't played yet because he's had a hand issue, although I know he's getting uh, close to making his season debut. And they picked up Kean Bell off of CHL waivers. He, he had played in the queue before and last year in the uh, Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League. He was the top scorer and the MVP of that league. Had over 100 points, but it has not translated yet to the Western Hockey League. So Edmonton will have Lejoie. They'll get Nash eventually. And not sure if Bell is with the Oil Kings long term, unless he really starts to put it together here in the, over the next couple of weeks. But until Nash gets back, it gives the Oil Kings the opportunity at least to go out and add another 20-year-old from somewhere else if one is available, that they uh, that they like. We will see. Top scores in the Western Hockey League. It's been dominated by Prince George Cougars uh, so far in the early going of the season, and three of them still leading the way. Zach Funk has 21 points. Andre Becker, import player, has 20. And Tarek Parasak has 19 points. Matthew Ward of the Swift Current Broncos, he's actually tied with Parasak now. He also has 19 points. And Andrew Crystal. Drafted by the Washington Capitals, the Kelowna Rockets marquee player has been on a tear as of late. He's got 18 points. You're wondering where all the big-name drafted players are out of the WHL. Well, Jagger Furcus and uh, Braden Jagger, both with the Moose Jaw Warriors, they're just outside of that top five with 17 and 15 points, respectively. Toronto Maple Leafs prospect Brandon Lasowski has 13 points, and Riley Height up in Prince George as well. He's got 13 points. Let's change gears and talk about the Alberta Junior Hockey League for a minute. Still very tight race at the absolute top of the league standings, which is terrific to see. We've got Black Falls, Brooks, and Sherwood Park all with identical 11-2 and records coming into this weekend's play. That's outstanding. For, for a number of years, we've seen Brooks dominate the South Division. Okotoks is usually the next team. Well, right now you've got Black Falls, Brooks, the Calgary Canucks, the Drumheller Dragons, and Okotoks. Five teams from the south in the top six of the standings. That's great. Bonneville Pontiacs are starting to uh, turn it around. They're 4-0-1 in their last five outings. And the Spruce Grove Saints are in eighth right now, tied with Bonneville in the standings with 14 points. 
Top scorer in the AJHL is Dakota McIntosh. He plays for the Black Falls Bulldogs. He's been a real transient player the last few years, though. He was in the North American Hockey League in the 2021-22 season. Played for Fairbanks for most of the year. Also had five games with the Fargo Force in the USHL that season. In 2022-23, he started the year with Fargo, but then moved to the BCHL for the Alberni Valley Bulldogs, where he had a good season, 38 games, rather 38 points in 31 games. This year started with Brooks, now is in Black Falls, so he's played for five teams over the last three seasons, really the last 2.5 seasons. He eventually is going to play for Merrimack in the NCAA. Six foot two, two hundred and one pounds, not drafted, but having a pretty good season here is Dakota McIntosh. Brendan Ross also in Blackfalds and Edward Moskowitz, all three Bulldogs players leading the AJHL in scoring right now. Speaking of the BCHL, we got four teams all with fourteen points. In the coastal region, it's uh, Surrey and Victoria on top of the standings with uh, 14 points, although Surrey has two games in hand over Victoria. Nanaimo and those Alberti Valley Bulldogs are uh, ranked number three and four right now. In the interior, Penticton and Vernon tied atop the standing, but West Kelowna just one point back. So some real good races in a lot of the leagues that we've been talking about. That's great to see. Six of the top ten scorers in the BCHL currently are American players. Aaron Schwartz leads the league. He plays for the Surrey Eagles. He's got 14 points. Ryan McPherson, who is a Philadelphia Flyers prospect, he's actually Canadian. He plays for Penticton. He's got 13. But then you've got Anthony Yu and Mike Murtaugh and Caden Cranston and Hank Cleaves and Michael Salandra. All Americans, all with 12 or 11 points. So uh, the BCHL has been very friendly uh, for American skaters. Next, we would usually go to the USHL, but the first guest I have today is going to do that for us. So we'll skip the USHL for now and jump right to the North American Hockey League, where I think it's kind of the same teams that we've been talking about for the last few weeks. The Austin Bruins leading the Central Division. The East, it's a tie still between the Northeast Generals and the Maryland Black Bears. In the Midwest, still a tie between Chippewa and Minnesota. And in the South, a real close race between the Lone Star Brahmas, the El Paso Rhinos, and the Oklahoma Warriors. Sixton Yernosho still leading the North American Hockey League in scoring. He's got 22 points in 13 games. Up next, it would be Max Martin with 20. Hayden Cruz has 19. And so does Canadian Matteo DiCipio with 19 points. And we will end it by looking at the NCAA one news item, uh, head coach of the Bowling Green Falcons, Ty Eigner, is, has been reinstated. Remember, there was uh, an incident that led to the suspension of three players and the suspension, if you will, for uh, head coach Ty Eigner. Well, the coach is back. I don't think the three players are back yet, though. College Hockey News has a report on that. Let's quickly look at the top 20, which you can always find at USCHO. The Minnesota Golden Gophers. By far the number one ranked team, getting the most votes by far. They're followed by Denver, Boston College, Quinnipiac, and North Dakota. That is your one through five. Boston University, who was the preseason favorite, they got off to a one-and-one start, and their their one victory came against lowly-ranked Bentley, and they just eked out that win. It has not been an impressive start to the year for BU, but they are still ranked sixth. Michigan is seven, followed by... 
the Michigan State Spartans. Western Michigan is 9, then you've got Providence, Cornell, Penn State, Ohio State, Minnesota Duluth, and Harvard is 15. The top 20 is rounded out by Northeastern, Michigan Tech, Arizona State, Minnesota State, and the St. Cloud State Huskies. And lastly, your top scorers in the NCAA, Joey Larson from Michigan State with his teammate Red Savage, both of them Spartans, both of them with 9 points. Red Savage, a prospect of the Detroit Red Wings. Savage is the son of uh, Brian Savage, longtime Montreal Canadian. Winnipeg Jets prospect Rutger McGrory also has nine points, so a three-way tie atop scoring in the NCAA. He plays for the Michigan Wolverines. Luke Granger of Western Michigan and Massimo Rizzo, who's a Flyers prospect, plays for the University of Denver. They both have seven points. I have three guests for you on today's episode. All my guests join me courtesy the Troubled Monk Hotline. You can place your orders for Troubled Monk beverages by going to troubledmonk.com shop. You can pick those orders up either at the Edmonton Farmer's Market, the Calgary Farmer's Market, or right from the tap room itself in Red Deer. But hey, isn't it easier? Just go to your local liquor store here in Alberta. And if they don't have the Troubled Monk product that you want, you can ask them to bring it in for you. Craft beverages worth sharing. You can get hard iced tea. You can get some of the classics like the Golden Gates Golden Ale. You can also track down some soda. They have Saskatoon berry flavor and orange. They make gin products and vodka products. Everything you can want, you can get it from Troubled Monk. My three guests today, we're going to start with Jordan McAlpine, who is a beat writer for The Rink Live, covering both the USHL and the North American Hockey League. This week, we're focusing on the USHL which teams, which players are off to great starts, and who's kind of limping out of the gate early on. We'll ask Jordan about that. From there, we're going to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight. It's a great year for defensemen for the NHL draft, and one of the top ones that you need to know is coming out of the Ontario Hockey League, plays for the nation's capital, the Ottawa 67s. Henry Muse is his name. We'll get to know him in our second guest segment. And we will wrap things up this week with Jeremy Hansel, who is drafted by the Colorado Avalanche, plays for the Seattle Thunderbirds, that team beginning their trek through the Central Division of the Western Hockey League. Six games in nine days. We'll talk to him about that, about finally getting drafted. He'd gone through the draft a couple of times, but he is going to end his WHL career this season. And they are the defending champs. Lastly, ProStockHockey.com. They're your online source for authentic pro stock hockey equipment like sticks and like gloves. In fact, new gloves from the Detroit Red Wings are now available. Check them out at ProStockHockey.com. Let's begin the episode with a USHL update. Jordan McAlpine from the Rink Live. He's up first here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Second round pick of the Colorado Avalanche. Over to Gutman, to Savoy, and he's got a hat trick. Start throwing the hats. Give up the $24 hat. Throw it on the ice for Carter Savoy. This is Carter Savoy from the Sherrod Park Crusaders, and you're listening to the Pipeline Show. Passion, talent, development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 93% rate. Trevor Zegras. And they score on the lacrosse move. Jake Gensel. Gensel banks it towards the goalie. He scores. Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr. He scores. 
stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you're a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. My goodness gracious me! Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Gee Flaming. Hello there, children. Hey, we're back on The Pipeline Show, and uh, we're going to talk a little USHL hockey in this uh, segment as we continue moving forward. Of course, the program brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. That's Alberta's best beef jerky. You can get it anywhere in Western Canada uh, by going to their website. That's wilhockbeefjerky.com. As we dip south of the border into the United States, and we're looking at the USHL, I'm going to call on Jordan McAlpine from the Rink Live. Uh, Jordan, welcome back to the program. How are things? Good. It's, uh, it's a busy time of year, uh, mid-October. and kind of feels like we're, we're starting to get into the, the full swing of things with, uh, with the junior hockey season. But it's always an uh, exciting time of year, and I'm always glad to be, uh, be on talk with you here. Well, I appreciate you making time like this. I, I know, as you said, it, it, it's a, a busy time of the season. Uh, now that we're... Uh, you know, a month into into things, most teams have played seven, eight. Some have played nine games. I know there are a handful who have only played six games. But you're starting to really get a feel for what we should expect from teams for the rest of the season. What's the biggest surprise right now for you? Yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. I mean, by no means are championships won in October, and at the same time, you said it yourself. You, you've got teams kind of kind of all over the map with with six seven eight games under their belt that it's uh it's enough of a sample size in a way where you're you're starting to see a little bit of separation and and see some of those teams that should be in the thick of things all season but mm-hmm. at the same time it it is a little bit uh a little bit early if you will but i guess just a couple uh on both ends of the extreme uh for, for the surprises but but by no means did i uh did i expect them to take take a huge step back this season, but uh, it's no surprise Fargo's at the top of the Western Conference right now. You kind of think of uh, all those factors that go into it. They make it to the Clark Cup last year. They bring back Max Swanson. Anton Castro gives them experience between the pipes, but at the same time, they lost a lot from the top of last year's roster, both from a production and a leadership standpoint, and there's the new coaching staff, and I mean, frankly, the USHL is one of those leagues where it's so hard to be consistent on a year-to-year basis with all the roster turnover mm-hmm. that uh, they're they're the only undefeated team left in the league right now. Uh, and them and Tri-City, another team has been really good here earlier, tight at the top of the West. But I guess the biggest two surprises for me right now um, on the positive end are actually on the Eastern Conference. And they're the two teams at the top of the standings right now. It's uh, it's no secret anybody in Madison once uh, once last season in the rearview mirror quick they it's been an interesting interesting tale of 18 months they uh, they were two wins away from the Clark Cup two seasons ago last year they finished with the league's worst record mid season coaching change traded three of their leading scores throughout the course of the season so kind of a uh, a year that you want to put behind you quick and mm-hmm. up until last week and they hadn't lost in regulation this year uh, they they're 5-1 one and 1 right now um whether it's draft picks they got a, a trio of kids from the NTDP they've br- brought in a new coaching staff with Andy Brandt there and at least uh at least by all accounts right now everything's clicking for them and then the other one by uh this was a team coming into the season that Personally, I was really high on, and, and so far they've delivered, and that's Dubuque. You look at their lineup, I would say they've got the best blue line in the league when you when you factor in who they bring back, a couple of the kids that they brought in this year. Uh, Fisher Scott, Lucas St. Louis are two of the kids right at the top of that right there. 
They've gotten really good goaltending from a, uh, a pair of first-year kids in the USHL, one of which uh, Kevin Reidler, an Ottawa draft pick, who's been really solid for them. And then the biggest thing for them, I, I know goal differential isn't the end-all, be-all stat, but they're outscoring teams 41-25. They actually got shut out by Fargo last Saturday, um, but up until that point, they're averaging over five goals a game, and even more impressively, they've uh, they've gotten contributions from everywhere. And I know it's cliche for for coaches to to look at that, but when you're rolling four lines and, and getting uh, offensive production from from every one of them, it's definitely a promising sign. And and those two teams are two of the teams that I expect to be in the thick of things for uh, for most of this season, along with Green Bay. Now, uh, I guess to give you give you a couple answers on the opposite end of the coin. The, uh, the biggest one that comes to mind is Chicago. For sure. You look at them right now, they've lost six straight. Here again, seven games at the small sample size. But since their uh, their season opener, which they had to come back and win in overtime, there's, uh, there's been a lot of red flags. They've, they've given up 37 goals this season. Goaltending, they've got potential, but so far uh, has been a little bit of a weakness. And the biggest thing that I look to, and I don't think this is a surprise to anybody, you pull up Chicago's lineup last season, Macklin Celebrini, Quinn Finley, Jaden Perron, Nick Moldenauer, uh, a top six that are all kids that have a very good chance to uh, to be impact players, not only at the college level, but eventually in the NHL. And replacing that isn't an easy task. And obviously that's, uh, that's kind of reared its ugly head so far. And then the other one would be... Uh, to, to wrap up this long-winded answer for his Waterloo, um, another team that they they had 40 wins last season, were right near the top of the standings all year, and at the deadline really went for it. And I, I think uh, kind of feeling that right now. And they they don't have the depth or the the scoring punch at the top of that lineup. They won two games last weekend, but before that, um, they dropped five straight. That uh, definitely, definitely early in the season, and there's time for things to turn around. But it's kind of kind of interesting to see two of those teams that were neck and neck at the top of the standings last year uh, now uh, now finding themselves on the the polar end or polar opposite end of the extreme. And hopefully, for their sake, they can get that turned around. Jordan McAlpine from the Rink Live, my guest, uh, looking at the USHL season so far. And uh, one of the, I'm going to go back to Dubuque for a second and the impact of import players in any North American league is always kind of touch and go. You never know exactly how a guy is going to adapt to the North American game. Uh, Dubuque's got two guys who are it, like, leading them in scoring right now, and Eric Paulson from Sweden and Uri Pekarczyk, who uh, is a uh, St. Louis Blues draft pick. Uh, both of those guys have a massive impact here early uh, in favor of Dubuque. Yeah, and I'll take you a step further on that, too. You look at their back end, which here again mentioned it before, but Yona Weissenin, a, a kid that they added from Finland this season that was at, uh, I actually got a chance to see over the summer. Right. Up in Plymouth, uh, competing for a spot on Finland's World Junior Championship team. And then obviously we, we mentioned it with Rydler between the pipes there. And that's, it's kind of been a, a theme the last few seasons with Dubuque. And I know, uh, Kelly Larson does a really good job with those imports. You look at their goaltending last season. Marcus Bronman was a, a really key part of their success. But uh, the big one that you mentioned there is Paulson. He's been fascinating to me so far, and I know uh, a lot of people, and myself included, at at the start that you look at a, a first-year player in the USHL, it's instinct to consider a first-year player a rookie. Technically not a rookie, just based off of the uh, the USHL's kind of designation on those, but he's just made an immediate impact for them. 
12 points. He scored five goals. If I'm not mistaken, he, I know he was, but I think he's second in the league um, in, in total points right now. Mm-hmm. And just another guy that power play five on five. Seen a little bit of time on the penalty kill early on, too, here. That uh, he'll be an interesting name to follow heading forward for uh, draft fans and people that will be following throughout the summer. That here again, I know uh, how much of a, a high end or, or blue chip prospect quote-unquote, you want to call him, but he's an 0-4. Uh, he's obviously making an immediate impact with Dubuque, and especially this season specifically in the USHL. I'd, uh, I'd expect him to continue carrying a lot of the workload for uh, for Dubuque's offense. Now, uh, you mentioned they, they've got a, a number of import players. Uh, what's the, uh, the the maximum a team in the USHL can have? Is it five? Uh, yeah, it's... Well, now you're making a second guess myself. It's either it's five or six. I want to say it's five, Um for, for the import and it, it's kind of interesting you you look at the way some teams <clears throat> some teams manage that with their their affiliate or protected list of of dropping kids down and and making roster moves to uh to be able to make make the way and make spots for them and you see it throughout the course of the season uh with i, I know muskegon recently added philip nordberg another ottawa draft pick uh the Green Bay has done a couple moves throughout the course of the season to add imports. Mm-hmm. Um, right off, to, off the top of my head, Julian Lutz, an Arizona draft pick that's been, been good for them so far. So it's uh, kind of interesting throughout the course of the season. Every year we, we see the import players make a big uh, or immediate impact with it. And at the same time, there's still a lot of unknown, not only on the ice, but a lot of these kids, it's their first time living in North America on top of playing in North America that there's a there's a little bit of an adjustment period and a transition but at least uh, at least so far this season there's a few teams that I think uh, have got to be really happy with uh, with who they've added and so far they've hit on those guys. Do Canadians count as imports or no? Yes. They do. Okay, well yeah. Dubuque's got a couple Canadians too so that would put them at 6. So that's interesting. All right. Uh, there's a Canadian that's actually leading the entire league in scoring right now, and Benjamin Poitras, uh plays for the Green Bay Gamblers. I believe he's uh, a Quebec kid. Uh, 13 points, and he's—I mean—he's having a, a terrific start to this early season. He's—I know he's not a rookie, so he's been around a little bit. Uh, but you just mentioned Julian Lutz coming in. It seems like they have a pretty good uh, connection between the two of them. Yeah, he—he—he he, he was one of the ones I was uh, was hitting at there too with, uh, with Green Bay's roster. Uh, management and getting uh getting everything added there and and him and Lutz have had a just instant chemistry between the two of them and Benny's coming off a big weekend too I know uh for a four assist game five points and now he is the U.S. Central point leader uh with with 13 there but it's uh kind of interesting uh, I guess to, to step back and and look at the bigger picture with Green Bay that was a team throughout the course of the summer that uh, seemingly was dealt constant blows. You go back to the spring, Barrett Hall goes to St. Cloud State. Then throughout the, uh, as the months go on, ticking up to the draft and, and afterwards, Artem Lushunov goes to Michigan State and Jimmy Clark goes to Minnesota. And you kind of sit there and it's like, holy moly, how are they going to replace the production, fill the rules in their lineup for it? And now uh, Poitra and Libor Nemich, a kid that they added for Omaha, are two of the guys that, right away have just made immediate impacts and I know with uh with Poitras specifically good year with Sioux City last year as a rookie um they almost hit the 40 point mark and played in every game for them throughout the course of the season and then he got traded uh right I want to say it was May uh 
well, late, yeah, it would have been in May, early June at the latest, um, that he got dealt to Green Bay. And he was one of those guys that you look at Green Bay's lineup, there's obviously a lot of talent around him. On top of the guys I mentioned there, Adam Guyon, who's one of, if not the best goalies in his age group, Jason Shagabay, a Tampa Bay pick, that there's a, there, there's a lot of different guys that can beat you when, when you look at the, the way Green Bay plays and skill in that, off, or in that lineup. That uh, with Poitras specifically, it was one of those guys where you, you have to figure just uh, based off who he's going to be playing around him that those numbers are going to spike even more. And uh, that was before Lutz even entered the picture. And lo and behold, the kid nets a hat trick last season, and uh, Ben's got assists on all three of those. So he's, uh, he's off to a real hot start. I know he's really making the most of the new opportunity, and from from talking to a few people around the league, really likes uh, really likes the fit in Green Bay there. So we'll see uh, we'll see how far his stock can continue to climb this year, and how much uh, improved those numbers can get. Uh, Jordan, you mentioned Adam Guyon. I wanted to ask about goaltending in the USHL because it seems like some guys are, are off to terrific starts. I'm looking at uh, Owen Bartoskowitz. I'm wondering if I came close to pronouncing that correctly, but <laughs> he's returning to the league, right, from the, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So he's got he's got yeah. some experience already. Uh, so not a surprise, really. We shouldn't be shocked that a 20 year old is having this good of a, a season, but his numbers are off the charts right now. Yeah, a, a for effort in the pronunciation is what I always tell people. Uh, it's Owen uh, Bordeskevich. Uh, I know it's oh, a little wow. bit of a tongue twister there. <laughs> that uh, interesting story that just walking it back to uh, what his first go around in Youngstown that kind of kind of left early and obviously goes to Minnesota and the the, the Gophers crease is uh, pretty pretty loaded and found himself behind a couple kids that in terms of uh, his long term development he decided mm-hmm. last summer to come back to the USHL and uh, at least so far it's a decision that looked looked like an absolute slam dunk for the kid we actually uh, have a story on the Rink Live site today kind of a notebook looking around some recent uh, things and, and news around the USHL that there's a couple interesting notes on Bartoskevich. Uh, just real quick here, you, you look at the way that he's played so far. His last three starts, two shutouts, he stopped 76 of the 77 shots fired his way. And he leads the uh, the USHL with a, a .75 goals against and a 9.72 save percentage. So definitely uh, hitting the ground running there for him. But you kind of hinted at it yourself there. Goaltending's really been a big story so far uh, around the league as a whole. Um you look at the the stat leaderboards. There's a lot of guys putting up the points, but at the same time, there's there's several goaltenders that have been shutting things down. And it's still early, but five kids have a sub one five goals against right now. Uh, Patty Burzins from Madison is off to a really good start. I know I mentioned Castro and Fargo. This is uh, his third full USHL season, so another guy that's no stranger to the league. And then a couple more kids that that come back. Cameron Corpy out in Tri City. He's already gotten the uh, the USHL goalie of the week honor twice this season. He's putting up really good numbers for them. And then Guyon kind of got a small sample size, was able to get his feet wet in the USHL last season uh, with Green Bay. But now he's back for his first go around. And Kid is coming off a 50 save performance last week and is a big part that a uh, big part of the reason why Green Bay has gotten off the start that they have here. So it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm sure you'll see those numbers tail off a little bit just in the the course of a long season for sure. some of those kids, but at least right now, uh, 
for, for goalie fans or goalie prospect fans that there's a several interesting names to keep an eye on throughout the USHL. Guyan's numbers are, are good, but he's you mentioned that 50 save performance. That was after a game where he and the Gamblers got blown out, right? Because yep. I, I seem to recall his first couple of games this year, unbelievable, and then his numbers, took they went into the tank uh, because of that one game. So th- that's what happens when we're talking about small sample sizes. He said seven starts or he's played in seven games one of them was awful and it's really affected his goals against well and he fell victim to a uh, really good dubuque team offensively that uh two two weeks ago that would have been now uh that dubuque and green bay had a home and home and it uh frankly wasn't close i know dubuque skated to a nine nothing win the first night and then finished the sweep in in green bay on uh, on the saturday and Guyon uh, gave up the six in that night, and then his uh, his four the next. But if you look b- besides those two those two starts with ten goals against there, he's he's been pretty steady for them. Um, and, and Green Bay is the team that's given him a decent amount of offensive support too. Which it's like a pitcher in baseball that uh, goalies will take that support anytime that they can uh, they can get it in front of them. But I don't know. It'll it'll be interesting as uh, as the course of this season plays out that. Green Bay is a team that I actually think is going to make a really deep run and, and be one of, if not the final uh, final two teams contending for the Clark Cup in the spring. But And, and Guyon is going to be a big, big factor, a big reason why. Now at the same time, we'll see how he holds up with uh, with this being his first first season in the league that I'm, I'm sure he's going to get uh, get rode pretty heavily by that team. But we'll uh, – We'll see how how he manages that and how his numbers fare uh, come April. Jordan, before I let you go, uh, looking ahead to the NHL draft, I know outside of the NTDP guys, and of course half the team will get drafted this year. But the top USHL player, full time <laughs> full time USHL player for the draft, would be Trevor Connolly from Tri City. And I know in the summer you had a really interesting uh, story with him, where he was pretty outspoken about some past transgressions that uh, that he is guilty of, and that he's trying to. Uh, put behind him you want to touch on that a little bit and give uh, my listeners a bit of background on on trevor Connolly? yeah i i would say uh n- n- not to make a uh, a shameless plug here so to speak but uh the, the best thing I, I would say is if you get the chance uh I, I would definitely recommend going and reading that um me too i've actually got that as the uh the, the pin tweet on my my twitter if you want to find that there at jordan underscore mckelpine m-c-a-l-p-i-n-e uh, and then it's also pinned on our on our website at the rink live. But it's kind of a fascinating situation, and there's there's been multiple uh, controversial prospects, if you will. It seems like in recent years here with the draft, and frankly, uh, Connolly falls falls victim of that too, and is right under that umbrella. Now this would would have been a, a, about a, a year and a half year and a half ago now. Um, it, off the top of my head of the timeline that well he was uh he was in high school at the time and a uh, a teammate that he was with in the the school library that a photo quickly uh quickly circulated and was was deleted but obviously uh as as you and I both well know in the the current world of technology that we live in it uh it doesn't take long for the damage to be done that uh they they took a picture and made a swastika um out of Leo's or children's building and it went on social media and there's a understandably and justifiably so kind of been a a black cloud hovering over Connolly and it's it's followed him ever since then but uh, from talking to him talking to his coaches other people around the sport that uh, I do think there's a little bit of a different uh, immediate response and 
compared to some of the other situations, Conway's at least taken the effort or making an attempt to, to make it right and kind of go to work with some of the stuff he's done, whether that's with uh, hockey players of color. I know he's done a ton of volunteer work both at home and then in Tri-City where he's uh, back for a second USHL season here. And look, the fact of the matter is uh, on the ice, there there's no doubt the kid's a top 10 talent. You look at the, the numbers that he puts, put up last season, he's already off to a strong start. And the biggest thing that I look at from the player side of it is even when the numbers aren't, so to speak, there, the way that he's able to impact a game, his speed, shot combination, seemingly always in the right spot in the offensive zone. And it's kind of kind of looks like a man against boys out there with, uh, with how he's able to skate around with the puck and go to the net and make plays. So the uh, the talent factor is has never been in doubt, but at the same time, it's uh, it's one of those situations that whether you're going to look at it from a from a PR aspect, uh, a teammate aspect in the locker room, off the ice, that there's definitely some uh, some potential concerns and some worries there. So he'll definitely be a fascinating story to uh, to follow as the course of this season plays out. And I uh, here again, I would say the the best thing to do to uh, to get the the full story or full grasp of the uh, the situation would definitely recommend going and checking that story out. I would recommend that as well. It's at therinklive.com, and as uh, Jordan said, you can uh, just check him out on Twitter or X, and uh, it's his twin, <laughs> I guess we're saying post now, uh, at Jordan underscore McAlpine is where you can find Jordan. Uh, Jordan, this has been terrific. I really appreciate your time, and uh, you know I'll be calling you again fairly soon probably to uh, talk some North American Hockey League because you're covering that beat for the Rink Live too. You're a busy fella. <laughs> yep, it, it's uh, it's crossover season as we lovingly say with uh, with the college stuff on top of it too. So, but uh, definitely appreciate the time and always happy to uh, to help you out. That was Jordan McAlpine from the Rink Live, and at the end there we were talking about Trevor Connolly uh, from the uh, Tri City Storm out of the USHL. Heck of a season last year: twenty four goals, forty seven points as a rookie in the league. That was in fifty seven games. But to Jordan's point, this story is going to be uh, an issue this season for Connolly. He's going to be a real wild card on draft day because of this story. There will be people who say you can't draft him. The public outcry will just be too great, much like what we saw with Mitchell Miller twice for Arizona and for Boston. But then there will be people who point to Logan Mayhew, who the public outcry was great, but not apparently too great for the Montreal Canadiens. William Whitelaw was drafted Last year, by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Now, that was a third-round pick, not a first-round pick. The difference here is that Connolly is getting out in front of the story. Instead of it coming out, you know, in the weeks leading up to the draft or the month or two before the draft, I think this is really smart for Connolly. And there will be some who say he's only doing this because he has to. It's smart for his career to get out in front of it. But one thing that's in the story that Jordan wrote, is that uh, Jordan went out and contacted some of these groups that uh, Connolly has been working with, and that's different. That's not something that we've seen from uh, some of these other situations. Let me know what you think, though. Hit me up on Twitter, at TPS underscore Guy, or X. Really good player. Would you want him in your organization with this baggage? You tell me. At some point this year, I hope to get Trevor Connolly on the program, and we can have that conversation as well. Up next on the program, a player who is eligible for the 2024 NHL draft. For this one, we're going out to the Ontario Hockey League and one of the top defensemen available this year, Henry Muse from the Ottawa 67s. He 
is scheduled to join me next, right here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. Hi, I'm Quentin Musty from the Sudbury Wolves. For David going into the near circle, trailing Musty high slot, lets it fly, he scores! Quentin Musty, second of the game, a 2 nothing Wolves. And welcome to the Pipeline Show. through the crowded stadium with sweat pouring a glass of crisp cold beer refreshes my webpage but the computer crashes into another car who instinctively grabs the release on my chute and hits the bedside alarm apparently it's time to wake up ignite imagination advertising on the pipeline show works who listens to the pipeline show people like you share the story of your business with targeted customers contact Guy directly at Guy at thepipelineshow.com You're listening to The Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Hi, everybody. Time to turn on the 2024 draft spotlight as we get to know another player eligible for the upcoming NHL draft. A reminder, The Pipeline Show brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can't win friends with salad. You can get it in three Edmonton and area locations or by going to their website, wilhockbeefjerky.com, and they will ship it to you anywhere in Western Canada. We turn on the spotlight, and we're heading out to the nation's capital. The Ottawa 67s were uh, the CHL's or the OHL's top team for all of the regular season last year. Didn't help them in the playoffs, uh, but one of the players who had a, a terrific rookie season then and is off to a great start is Henry Muse, a defenseman with the 67s. Henry, welcome to the Pipeline Show. How are things? Things are good. How about you? Uh, doing terrific, but I'm not draft eligible, and I'm not uh, playing on uh, one of the top teams in the OHL. So let's get to uh, let's hear it from your perspective. Uh, how, how's the start of the season for the 67s this year? It's been good so far. I mean, uh, the first two games, first three games, I'd say we started off one and two. Uh, I think you know, just like every team, the Seabirds got guys back from camp, uh, so the, the team chemistry wasn't really there. Obviously, we lost some key guys from last year. Uh, so the first few games of the year wasn't wasn't too good. It was kind of the first time we were playing together. But, uh, you know, we just had a three-and-three three road trip out uh, in northern Ontario mm-hmm. the last weekend, and uh, we, we had we had a good run. We won all three games, and uh, I think we're starting to find our, our, real, uh, our real team here, how we are. So, uh, yeah, it's been a good start. Keep rolling from here. Yeah, won three in a row now, getting into this weekend's uh, action. And uh, for yourself personally, uh, last year, 31 points, 12 of those were goals in just 55 games, and that was your rookie season. You're almost a point-per-game uh, clip right now. I don't know if uh, if the numbers mean a, a whole lot to you, but how do you feel differently this year compared to maybe this time last year? Uh, yeah, definitely more confident. You know, uh, just you have more opportunity this year, obviously, but uh, just more confident out there, uh, more comfortable in the league now. Uh, you've played some multiple games in the league and just more comfortable with the players in the league, the teams in the league and, you know, the system we play here in Ottawa with our coach Dave Cameron. But I think just the confidence, especially coming back from the international tournaments and stuff. Uh, yeah, it's definitely helped me a lot. You know, the more opportunity I've, I've gotten here too has uh, definitely helped me. But uh, yeah, I think just the confidence boost is, it's huge for this year compared to last year. Having all of that experience, I, I understand why you, you talk about confidence. Did anything about the league surprise you last year? Uh, not really. I knew I kind of knew what uh, what to expect. You know, obviously every league you go up, uh, especially going in from minor hockey to junior, the size and strength and speed is is obviously going to be more 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 challenging for sure. But that was 
I expected that, but uh, nothing unexpected. So I was ready for it. All right. Has your role changed uh, from one season to the next? I imagine having a year under your belt and, and the profile that you have, you maybe you're taking on a bit more of a, a leadership uh, aspect to your game, but uh, your job description, uh, what you're expected to do, what head coach Dave Cameron is asking you to do, has that changed at all? Uh, yeah, I mean, last year we had a really good team, honestly, the best in the regular season. Uh, so, you know, I was playing, you know, I was in the top six, playing on the third pairing. Uh, my, my role was mostly not to give up anything against. We had those offensive defensemen to put up the, the plays and numbers and stuff like that. So right. I just played a simple, simple game, uh, just moving pucks, making plays, get the team out of the zone and nothing against, you know, and I thought that was great for me for my first year, uh, just to learn that and be comfortable with that because, you know, uh, moving up higher levels, that's what's going to happen again. So it was great to have that in my belt. But, yeah, now moving on to this year, uh, you know, obviously there's more opportunity with those guys gone. And uh, so, uh, yeah, but uh, it's been great. I think I'm playing, you know, playing every situation now. And it's uh, definitely going to be – I'm more confident this year than last year. And But, yeah, I think last year really really prepared me for this year uh, to play more minutes and stuff like that and be – be the power play guy now and stuff like that so it's good last year was perfect for this year henry has your defensive partner been the same guy from the start of the season or has that changed here over the last little bit uh yeah frankie's uh frankie my d partner we, we played together last year too in the in the third pairing but uh nothing's changed we've he's a great partner you know we, we're two kind of different players i'm more i'd say offensive and he's more of a two-way guy uh so it works perfect we understand each other out there and our chemistry is really good we played together at the with Team Canada as well at the U18. So we've been we've been together for a while here, and it's it's been great. I think we match perfect for each other and helps the team win games for sure. That'd be Frankie Morelli. Yeah, nice. You talked about having that experience together with Team Canada as well, and that chemistry. I mean, that's that's gonna be really nice when you go to an event like that and you have a familiar face, let alone a defensive partner. That must help the transition a lot. Yeah, for sure. It's it's been great. We've been uh, we've been we've been kind of moved into like. We do everything together. We're like brothers, you know. Uh, we do everything to get off the ice and on the ice. Obviously, we we try to make each other better. And then, but yeah, it's it's been great. We've been we've been best buds ever since uh, we both got drafted to Ottawa. Henry Muse is my guest. He's a defenseman with the Ottawa 67s. Uh, Henry, there'll be a lot of casual NHL fans look, listening to a segment like this because it's a draft uh, spotlight. Uh, my my regular audience is a junior and college hockey show, so uh, most of my audience will probably know. A bit about you already, but for the, uh, the the casual fan who doesn't care about junior hockey, let's get some background first. Uh, where are you from? Where'd you grow up? I grew up here in Ottawa, so it's nice. I'm playing in my hometown, Ottawa, Ontario. That's great. Obviously, you're going to have lots of friends and family out to to all your home games for sure. Uh, who got you into hockey at a young age? Do you remember how how old you were when you first started playing? Yeah, I was really young. I think uh, you know four, five, or six, even three, maybe. Uh, my dad. My dad always built an outdoor rink in the backyard in the winter, and uh, so I, I started skating on that, and then ever, ever since from there, you know, I just fell in love with the game and wanted to get better at it ever since uh, I was little, so yeah, that's how I got into it. That is the classic Canadian tale, isn't it? The backyard homemade rink? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what when the uh, OHL priority selection takes place off the top of my head. What time of year? In the WHL, the Bantam draft is in uh, April or May, uh, and it's usually during the week. So guys are at school or they're at home, and they're kind of following along with uh, how the draft is unfolding. What was uh, the priority selection day like for you? Oh, uh, yeah, they had it at the end of the year uh, in April, at the end of the minor midget season, so U16 season, last year minor hockey. Okay. Um, 
They had it. It was the year of uh, 2022, I believe. And uh, yeah, well, they had it on a Saturday night. Uh, it's an online online draft. Obviously, I was in Ottawa uh, for it. And then uh, I kind of had a pretty good idea. I was going to Ottawa. You know, I was looking at the NCAA route as well. And uh, so if I was going to play in the OHL, it was going to be playing here in Ottawa because I knew how great the coaching is here, the the organization, how they run things here. They run it like a pro pro program and pro schedule and stuff. So I knew this was, was going to be the best spot for me and uh, to prepare me for the next level, which is the NHL. So, yeah, that's how it kind of all went down. All my family and friends were there at the draft. And then after I got picked, the GM James Boyd called me and then, you know, went to the rink, uh, saw the facilities. I've been watching this team since I was little. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, so it was pretty cool at that moment to realize I've been, I'm finally going to start playing for this team and, since I was watching them, since I was a very little kid, you know, watching the guys come up here and uh, move from the junior program to the NHL. And uh, so I'm hoping to be one of those guys. Well, you mentioned the, uh, that you considered going the NCAA route. I don't want to assume, but uh, I imagine your dad had gone and played. He was at Northeastern. Was being a Husky, uh, if you had gone the college route, was that your destination or were you uh, going somewhere else? I, you know, I, was, I was looking at all the options, but definitely my dad went there, so... That was definitely higher up on my list. Right. Uh, you know, they had a lot of good interest. And uh, the more the, the difficult plan was where I was going to play uh, play the two years before college and like find a team in the USHL or something like that. But you know, I looked at Ottawa and not here. There's I don't think there's any place better than here with the me living at home and the development program here and just how we do things, the workouts and stuff, and the coaching and and Dave Cameron. It's it's really unbelievable. I love it here. So. Uh, this was definitely the right decision. Well, it sounds like it's a perfect fit for you. Now, you had to wait for the seventh overall selection to hear your name called. If it had been a different team, would that have changed your choice of whether to go in the OHL or to the NCAA? Yeah, for sure. I think that would have that was the plan. Uh, it was either Ottawa or nothing for the OHL. Okay. Uh, I really liked how I really liked how the the school route, uh, how they do things, how you you know you, you can take your time to develop. And you know, personally, I'm not the biggest defenseman. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm going to have time. I'm going to need time to grow in my body and stuff. So I really liked how you can take your time to develop and how the OHL is kind of, you know, it's kind of quick. You have your four years and you got to move on pro. And, uh, but yeah, I think here in Ottawa, they're going to help me, help me, uh, move on pro, move on to pro successfully. And so I, I really think Ottawa is the right decision. Henry Muse, my guest, defenseman with the Ottawa 67s. Let's talk about your game. Uh, you, you just talked about how you're not the biggest guy in the world. You're the sheet I'm looking at says six foot, 185 pounds. I don't know if that was at the start of the year or if that was at the end of last year. What are you at right now? I'm at in between. I weighed in NHL Central Scouting about uh, six, six and a half, somewhere in between the six and six one range. Okay. And then, yeah, 185. I mean, you're, you're still young. You're 17. Uh, are you tapped out height wise or do you think you got another uh, bit of gross spurt to go i think i got another few inches in me uh my mom is a pretty tall lady she's uh 5'11 okay and uh, my dad's also 5'11 uh so yeah i'm hoping i'm hoping to grow a few inches more i've grown i've been i've been I'm growing an inch a year so i'm on the track to continue to grow so uh I'm really hoping to grow. I think I'm going to grow. Uh, I, I know we can look at the stats and I mentioned them earlier, 31 points last year. You, you got four points in six games to start this season, but stats don't always tell the whole story. How do you describe yourself as a player? Yeah, I mean, uh, I think I'm a very, very, you know, offensive mind defenseman, but, you know, I can also play that two-way game if the coach needs me to. Uh, you know, uh, just that guy who uh, can make that first pass out of the zone to 
to get the team out of the zone and, uh, you know, in all three zones, just making plays, making my teammates around me better uh, by distributing the puck and making those little plays. Uh, my hockey IQ, I'd say, is my one of my best assets and along with my skating ability to evade four checkers and get break the team out of the zone single-handedly sometimes. And then in the O zone, you know, just getting in the middle of the ice, uh, getting shots through from the point, and then uh, running a power play. I think those are all sort of my strengths of the game. And uh, But based in general, I think just making my teammates better by making those plays and getting them the puck uh, can make get get the puck to my teammates pretty easily. So I think, you know, that's my strength. Those are my strengths in my game right well, now. You know, I got to ask you the other side of the uh, the equation too. Where, where are the areas of your game where you think you need to work on the most? A lot of guys will tell me it's just getting bigger and stronger. you feel the same way? Uh, yeah, obviously with that, I think everyone, there's not, unless you're manly, you know, maturely developed, uh, I think everyone needs to develop. So, yeah, that, that'd be along with it. Also, just, you know, it comes with that. It's my physicality on the ice, you know, uh, banging, banging, check, finishing my checks, banging guys in the boards and stuff, uh, you know, just to have that complete package game. But, yeah, I'd say that. And then, you know, sometimes, uh, sometimes you know, my position, positionally, where I am on the ice offensively and offensively, I can get a little, a little excited for pucks and cheat a bit up the ice. And uh, so, you know, just not – playing playing this knowing when to play the simple game and uh, when to play you know the fun game and stuff like that I think my coaching staff here has really helped me with that and uh, you know I'm really thankful for them and uh, so those are the things I'm gonna try to work on this year and moving forward in my career uh, I know I, I talked to a lot of guys in this show who are in their draft uh, draft eligible season and some guys they don't look too far ahead. They they don't want to think about rankings or, or anything like that. There are other guys who do. They they really want to know who has them ranked where because they want to use that as motivation. Uh, what about for you, uh, Henry? Do you, are you a guy who spends much time thinking about the draft? No, I uh, I try not to. I mean, you know, there those things are everywhere nowadays. You know, online and stuff, and you got your friends and buddies and you know your your family telling you this that and. Uh, but, you know, you really got to keep it out of your head. I think, you know, if it gets in your head, that's when, you know, it kind of kind of gets to hurt you. And uh, but if you just keep that, you know, I talk to my coaching staff here a lot uh, every day and, you know, just to get it off my mind. And, you know, I ask them what I need to do. I use them kind of as, as how I'm doing during the year. I, I ask them every day, you know, what what can I do better here? What, what, how, what about last game? Can you prepare me some shifts, some clips from last game and stuff like that? But, yeah, I kind of try to keep that out of my kind of keep that out of my mind and, you know, just focus on myself and how, how good I can do just myself and, you know, using my coaches as how well I'm doing and what I can continue to do to get better uh, throughout the year. I like that answer. And uh, I, this season got off to such an early start for you because you got to play at the Holinka Gretzky Cup overseas, representing Canada. What an exciting finish, winning in overtime like that. What was that experience like for you and, and what did it mean for you to, to have that at the start of this season to get you, you know, really an early start to the year? Yeah, I mean, it was huge, uh, you know, to be able to win that tournament. You know, you see all the great, great players and the great Canadian teams that play in that tournament. Then uh, obviously Canada has all the pressure of winning it. Uh, and, you know, I think it was just getting all the best players from the the, pro- the country in my age. My age group was pretty special getting together again. You know, we have the under-17s and stuff like that, so we all know each other already. Right. Uh, but it was, it, was, it was great. It was great to get the experience there, playing against the best international players. Uh, in the same draft class and you know you got all the eyes are on you the early looks and stuff like that but uh, yeah it was great it was a great tournament uh, for myself and my, my teammates and for Canada obviously but uh, yeah it was pretty it was pretty special you know experiencing in Europe too it was pretty cool and uh, but yeah a lot of relationships a lot of friendships 
and uh, it was great to get that experience. I recently had uh, Ryder Ritchie uh, on this show. He was on that team as well, and he talked about how there was, it was a real challenge because there was no training camp leading up to it. It was just you guys all got together, spent a little time together over there, played a couple of exhibition games, and had to come together as a group. Was that a challenge? Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, you know, obviously we didn't have a training camp for uh, for the pre-tournament. Normally we have that in Calgary, uh, but we we got there we got there a week early. Uh, we actually had our we had a mate, we got there. We had a mini training camp just with our team. We had a few days of practices, and we had one exhibition game in Hungary's U20 team, so mm-hmm. they're a bit older. Uh, so it was, it was a pretty good test. And then uh, we head over to the tournament to uh, play an exhibition game against uh, the Czech team. Uh, I think we won five nothing that game. And then, uh, but yeah, uh, that definitely was a challenge. I think you know, you're you're in your summer shape. You know, you play, you know, you're three on three in the summer. Your skill skates and stuff, and then you yeah. all of a sudden you have to go to this big tournament and uh play like you know hard every shift and stuff like that that you're not used to so i think it definitely took as you saw we lost our first game to finland there i think it definitely took a game to get uh to get going there at that tournament but uh yeah the training camp would have definitely helped to get a longer one henry uh what do you do in the off season it can't be hockey 24 hours a day and 12 months of the year so when you're not on the skates or or training for hockey what do you like to do to get away from it uh when i'm on the gym or on the ice uh which i'm mostly doing those two things but <laughs> when i'm not doing that uh, you know, I like to golf a lot in the evenings with my buddies, you know, after I get all my work done during the day, uh, I like to fish at, uh, the cottages and stuff. I like water sports, water skiing, water surfing and stuff. And then, uh, you know, I like, yeah, I like, I like the, the wildlife outside and all that kind of stuff. And, uh, what else do I do in the summer? There's not much other than those two, those, those things right there. I love all those things. I know a lot of guys tell me they're they're golfers for sure. I usually ask guys what their favorite course is, but you mentioned fishing. What's the what's the biggest fish you've caught? I don't really know to be honest. Uh, you know, here in Ontario, there's not really it's not really known for big uh, big you know heavy heavy fish. You know, probably the heaviest fish I've caught is probably between uh, four or six pounds. You're not the bass in Ottawa, the lakes around here. Okay, but, uh, but yeah, I enjoy. I I really like catching bass bass fishing and stuff on the lakes and stuff in the early morning you know my uncle's a big fisherman and uh so i really like he has a nice boat and stuff so he takes me out early in the mornings and it's nice of him to take me out and uh yeah i actually just started getting into it this summer so it's good well you haven't gone to the big lakes in western ontario and catch some of the muskies they're like they're monsters no no i've only been to western canada for hockey i went to the the brick turn in edmonton there when we were little and then i went to uh the under 17s there in vancouver and then uh, Calgary for the, the Hockey Canada camps. Nice. But uh, definitely when I free time, I'll have to get over there do some fishing. Since you mentioned the Brick Tournament, I'm in Edmonton. Uh, I mean, you're that's a peewee tournament. What do you, What are your memories of that event, getting to play in West Edmonton Mall? And uh, it's pretty entertaining hockey. Yeah, I mean, you're such a, you're at such a young age and early in your career. You know, it's really exciting. Uh, you know, you get to, you feel like a pro kind of at that age. You know, you fly down, especially from Ontario, you fly down and you know, your whole team's in a hotel there in the big mall. And then, you know, you're off time, you know, you go you shopping in the mall and stuff. And you're so young, you have so much energy and stuff. Uh, you get all hyped up, you know, you see all the great players. You've heard of all the great players that play in that tournament when they're like that age. And yeah, but it, it was definitely pretty cool. I have lots of great memories. And, you know, I'm still buddies with the guys I was I was playing with uh, back then. And it was a great tournament, great, great fun tournament. Awesome. Well, hey, Henry, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed the conversation a lot. Uh, best of luck the rest of the way with the 67s this season, whatever happens at the draft, and maybe we'll get a chance to chat again one day. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me.
That is Henry Muse, defenseman with the Ottawa 67s, uh, widely regarded as a potential a top 10 pick, probable top 15 pick for sure. I think every ranking I've seen has him as a first rounder and most of them inside the top 15. Lots of time, though, between now and the NHL draft, and this year is supposed to be so good for defensemen. He's one of those top ones available. It will be interesting to see how guys sort of set the pecking order over the course of the next eight months or so. Next week on the program, have another guy lined up, scheduled at least to this point. Haven't had the conversation yet, but with another guy who will be a very high draft pick for the upcoming 2024 NHL draft. Of course, we started the draft spotlight segments uh, for season 19 a couple of weeks back with uh, Ryder Ritchie from the Prince Albert Raiders, probably a first-round pick as well. So good start here to the uh, draft spotlight segments for season 19 of the Pipeline Show, and I think you'll be pretty happy with the guy who is on the program next week. We've got one more segment to go on this week's episode, though, and it's going to focus on the Western Hockey League Seattle Thunderbirds, Jeremy Hansel is the veteran leader now for this club as that team, they've only played five games, but they're about to embark on a journey through the WHL Central Division. Six games in just nine days starting this weekend against Calgary and Edmonton. Jeremy Hansel of the Seattle Thunderbirds and the Colorado Avalanche. He is up next here on the Pipeline Show, brought to you by Willock Beef Jerky. Behind the goal line, looking in front for Kolasar. Bring it to the slot, to the legs, Barzell. Watson, back hit set, and he will score! Hi, this is Matt Barzell of Seattle Thunderbirds, and you are listening to the Pipeline Show. Well, we were Done. Buddy, want to come over and watch the game? I'll make a big salad. Uh, I don't know, man. Steve, come over and watch the game. I've got a massive salad here. Yeah, my wife needs me to go shopping with her. Mike, want to watch the game and eat salad with me? Who is this? Did I mention I've got a bunch of Will Hawk beef jerky, too? I'll be right over. I'm heading over now. I'm already at your front door. Will Hawk beef jerky, because you don't win friends with salad. Will Hawk is the home of Alberta's best beef jerky. In Leduc, Spruce Grove, and West Edmonton Mall. You're listening to the Pipeline Show with Guy Flaming. Surely you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Final segment to go on this week's episode of the Pipeline Show. We are going to be looking at the Western Hockey League and specifically at the Seattle Thunderbirds. Uh, my guest will be uh, defenseman Jeremy Hansel. But a quick reminder the program is brought to you by Wilhock Beef Jerky. It's Alberta's best. You can't win friends with salad. Three Edmonton and area locations to pick up your beef jerky or you can get it shipped to you anywhere in Western Canada by going to wilhockbeefjerky.com. Mention the Seattle Thunderbirds. They are the defending Western Hockey League champions, and they are off to another strong start uh, to begin the uh, the new season. Now, keep in mind, they've barely played. They've only got five games in, but they are 4-1 and one to begin the year, uh, have uh, the second-best winning percentage in the entire Western Hockey League. But things get a little challenging now as uh, they embark on a trip through the Central Division, where they are going to play six games in just nine days. And my uh, guest to talk about this trip and the season thus far is Jeremy Hansel of the Seattle Thunderbirds. Jeremy, welcome to the program. How are you? 
I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Uh, pleased to get a chance to speak with you and uh, that you were able to make time because, man, time is going to be a pretty uh, valuable commodity for you and for your teammates right now. This, As I'm speaking with you right now, it's uh, Thursday afternoon. You're getting set to begin this uh, six-game in nine-day trek uh, through uh, mostly Alberta and Swift Current. Uh, what's the, the mindset of the team right now? Yeah, I think we're just kind of, like you said, we've only played a handful of games so far. We're still getting used to each other and I think, you know, we're just having a lot of team bonding time like throughout the trip, but I think it's been really good for us. Most teams have played 8, 9, 10. A lot have played 11. Some have played 12 games. You guys have only played 5. Is that an advantage at this point? You, you kind of mentioned you're still trying to get to know each other, but at the same time, a lot of teams had to do without a player or two that are away at NHL camps, and I think for the T-Birds, might have been just uh, yourself and a couple other players who missed a single game. So I guess there's good and bad to it? Yeah, exactly. There's good and bad. Like, the bad is, you know, that just means we're going to have a little tighter of a schedule moving forward. But uh, I think the good is, you know, we just get a lot more practice in before, before the games, get used to the new guys, get used to, you know, for the new guys, get used to the systems before they actually get into more games and stuff. But I think it's I think it's been not bad for us. How do you handle this heavy game load on the road so there's not going to be a whole lot of practice time, I wouldn't imagine, uh, and you're going to be traveling between each game. So how do you, how do you balance rest and being ready for games and, and when to sleep and all, all of that stuff? Is that a challenge right now for the next 10 days? Yeah, like you said, you know, we have a really action-packed schedule, but I think just the main thing is getting our, getting our water, getting our sleep, you know, getting the nutrition in and just, you know, not really wasting energy when we don't need to be. Yeah. Now, for yourself, you're a BC kid. Uh, I was going to ask if there's a, a one of these dates that is special for you where you got six games in, in nine days, you're, you're coming through, you're playing everybody in the Central Division, including Edmonton. You obviously had a pretty awesome WHL final series against the Oil Kings a, a couple of years ago. It was a really entertaining series. I know it didn't go your way, but, hey, it, maybe lessons learned that year helped uh, propel you to a championship last season. Is that fair? Yeah, I think, you know, just going through the adversity of losing in the finals there, going through so much just to lose really helped, you know, the group that came back to to win it last year. I think that just that experience just kind of helped us move forward. I'm curious what the atmosphere is like around the room coming into this year compared to coming into last season. I mean, last season everybody knew and expected Seattle was going to be one of the top, if not the top team, uh, not just in the WHL, but the entire country. Uh, is, are things different this year? It's still a really good lineup, and a really good roster, and you've got out of the gate pretty well. Is there a belief that you guys can contend again? Yeah, I think the, the you know, the, kind of like the vibes coming into the room this year where everyone's kind of doubting, doubting on us this year, but, you know, within our room, we think, you know, we still believe in each other. We still know that we have a good squad, and I think, you know, if we can clean up some areas and all that kind of stuff, I think we'll will be great this year. Jeremy Hansel of the Seattle Thunderbirds is my guest. Uh, for yourself, off to a good start again. Seven points in just four games that you've played, coming off a season where you had 48 points in 66 games. Listen, last year's roster compared to this year, a lot of guys have moved on, obviously. That happens every year at the Western Hockey League level, but more so when you're a, a championship team that loaded up. Uh, so I, I'm guessing you're taking on a lot more responsibility than you had even last year where you were a top-four guy. Uh, for the T-Birds, but a big difference uh, in expectations from the coaching staff for you and probably for yourself this year? Uh, not too much of a difference. I think for myself, I just kind of want to, you know, step into that leadership role a little bit better and, you know, help some of the younger guys 
fill some of those roles that we lost as of like last year and the year before. But, you know, as for performance wise, I think just playing my game same as last year, I think that'll, that'll really help me and the team this year. Is that an easy transition to make to, to become a leader? No. Uh, yeah. Sorry. I think, yeah, it's pretty, pretty easy. I think, you know, last year I even took on a little bit of a leadership role with some of the younger guys as well. Obviously we had great leaders last year, so I didn't need to, you know, go overboard with it. But this year, I think just, you know, continuing that and helping the, the younger guys and helping the new guys, all that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's been a pretty easy transition for me. It's probably something you learn from players from when you were the rookie on the team. Who who did you look up to in, in your first year or two that now you're kind of using them as an example on how to be that leader now? Yeah, you know, coming into the league, captain was um, Tyrell Bauer. He's probably the greatest captain I've ever, you know, played for. You know, he's just always trying to include guys, always trying to have conversations with everyone every day. It's just, he's like, he really taught me well and trying to, you know, follow that, follow his footsteps there. Uh, Jeremy, uh, Kevin Korczynski is still with the Chicago Blackhawks. I, I don't know at this point if anything has been formally announced, if, uh, if he is staying 100% for sure all year in the NHL. I imagine as a teammate, you'd love to have him back, but at the same time, you re- you really want the best for him and and hope he sticks in Chicago. Is that a a weird balance to you selfishly help your team a lot, but you also want him to move on? Yeah, you know, being being really close with him and you know sitting next to him in the room every day for the past few years, and now he's gone, not knowing if he's going to come back or not. It's it's a weird feeling for sure. Like you know, I I really want the best for him want to see him thrive like he's been doing in the in the NHL but we also know that him coming back would be a, a massive piece for our team and a, a big boost for our team as well so it, it is a weird feeling like you say have you have you traded text with him or have you talked to him at all or while he's there do you just kind of leave him be and, and handle his own business yeah I've been talking with him uh, a decent amount but you know I've been I've been asking him hey, what do you know and he doesn't even know he's just you know trying to play his best hockey <laughs> So I just kind of don't want to bombard him with questions or anything. So just kind of let him let him play the way he's been playing. He's been playing awesome. So we just kind of see how the see how the chips fall. Well, this trip through the uh, Central Division. Though I mean, you only come here every second year, so it's been a couple since uh, we've seen the T-Birds roll through Alberta. And and uh, I, I'm wondering, from your perspective, how will we notice a difference with this team? Uh, obviously, two years ago you were contenders. Last year you were champions. Still got a lot of talent on the team, but I imagine there's a different identity. Uh, what do you notice about this year's club? Yeah, we're, we're obviously a younger team than we were last year. A lot of older guys moved on. A lot of younger guys are trying to fill those roles. But I think we're still the, the same same old T-Birds that we've always been known for. You know, just tough to play against, t- just a team like that. Well, I know a couple of former Oil Kings are on your roster this year. You had a couple of former Oil Kings on the roster last year, too, in Dylan Gunther and Luke Prokop. This year, you've got a couple former Oil Kings in in Braden Wynn and uh, Luca Hauf. Uh, I know Braden is uh, well tentatively he's listed as day to day, so I'm not sure if he's going to play through when he comes in into Edmonton. But what are those two guys meant to uh, the the T Birds this year? Yeah, they're you know great players, but off the ice, just great people to have around the room. They're always smiling, always laughing, making making the room of or making the rank a better place to come to every day. It's just you know we got a lot of guys like that in our team. Just Love to you know be at the rink, love to smile, love to be happy. It just really makes a a nice positive um, vibe in the room kind of thing. You got some Alberta guys who are 
making a return, or maybe they're playing their first WHL game uh, in Alberta. I'm thinking of guys like Grayson Souchin, for instance, who's up from Grand Prairie. And uh, take me back to when you first played games in uh, in in BC and uh, to get to play for the T-Birds, but in front of friends and family on the road. Yeah, it's an awesome feeling, you know, just going into the game, you're kind of taking it like every game, like you're supposed to, but in the back of your mind, you're all like, you know, just hopefully I play like, you know, better this game or not better, but just hopefully I play my game and, you know, friends and family are always there and you can go talk to them afterwards. But like the mindset, it really is just go, go play your game. Like there's nothing really too different. Like you're not going to change the way you play just because you have friends and family coming, but you know, you're, you're really excited to play that first game in front of, in front of like, you know your hometown or friends and family. Jeremy Hansel from the Seattle Thunderbirds, my guest. Uh, should also uh, ask you about now that you're you've got ties to the Colorado Avalanche, uh, going through the NHL draft unselected uh, once or twice, but uh, having that honor last year and sixth round pick by the Avalanche. What did that mean to you after not being selected previously? And I, I wonder, you know, had you already kind of put the draft to the back of your mind, where you you weren't sure if it was going to happen or not? And then you do get drafted. What was that experience like? Yeah, it was, you know, I wasn't too sure if I was getting drafted this year or not. You know, obviously being a third year going into the draft, it's not, you know, it's not very common. Mm-hmm. But, you know, when when I did hear my name get called, it was it was unreal. It was like nothing ever, like you know, it was the best feeling ever. And then, you know, just you know, parents are excited, friends are excited, family's excited. It's just, it was an awesome feeling. Correct me if I'm wrong. Not drafted uh, in the WHL Bantam draft either. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I mean, you are the poster guy now for just continue to work hard. If you don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. Keep improving, work hard, and eventually things will work out the way they're supposed to. When you reflect back on your, you know, that Bantam draft experience and not getting selected, yet having the WHL success that you did, did that tie into? The NHL draft as well. Just keep working hard, and who knows what can happen. I wonder if there are similarities there. Yeah, you know, just the draft is obviously it's a big deal, but, you know, if you don't get drafted, it's not the end of the world. There's guys that make make it everywhere with, when they don't get drafted. So as long as you just keep working hard and, you know, playing your game, keep improving your game every day, like, it'll happen. Like, as long as you have the mentality of, I want to get better, then, you know, things will fall in place. Did the offseason change at all after the draft in terms of your preparation for this year? A little extra guidance from the Avalanche. Did it change your training regiment or your nutritional schedule or anything like that? Did anything get different uh, coming into this season than in previous years simply because of the being drafted? No, like, I think the only thing that would have changed was just trying to like you know be prepared for the, the fitness testing in Colorado. But other than that, you know, everything's still the same, still working hard off-season. Off if you're drafted, if you're not, you know, it doesn't really make a difference. You're just trying to be prepared for the next season. And, you know, after the draft, I just kind of figured out what the the off-ice or the off ice testing was and I try to, you know, get a little bit better at that. So have a little bit better of a score in, in camp. But, like, yeah, like Colorado would help me out a little bit. They would you know, try to give me a little bit of guidance, say, hey, like, you know, maybe work on this a little bit more and work on that, but nothing too major. Jeremy, it's your last year of WHL eligibility, so you'll be playing professionally next year wherever it is. The goal, obviously, is to defend your WHL championship. On a personal level, what would you consider to be a successful season to go out on? I just, yeah, like, obviously team success is the first priority, but for personal, I just want to have fun this year. I just want to, you know, one last ride with the 
with the team, with the boys, and uh, hopefully, hopefully make a deep playoff run so we can stay stay as a team a little bit longer. But I think that's that's about it for personal goals. Well, this uh, this epic trip through the Central Division starts on Friday against Calgary. You'll be in Edmonton on Sunday, and then you make your way through the rest of the division and and back to Seattle. Uh, in early November. Jeremy, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for doing this, and uh, best luck to the rest of the way this year. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. And there was Jeremy Hansel, defenseman with the Seattle Thunderbirds, drafted recently by the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, That is a hectic, hectic schedule. Six games in nine days for the road team. You know, it's it's as if it was a, a home stretch. Would be a lot of hockey in a very short period of time. You added that it's on the road, and it's in the WHL, a road trip. We're not talking about the OHL. They're starting in Calgary. They're coming up to Edmonton, so they're skipping Red Deer. Then, you know, they got to crisscross the province, basically, go back down through to Red Deer and Lethbridge and Medicine Hat and into Saskatchewan uh, to play Swift Current. That's a hectic road schedule. Sure, we're not talking about eight hours, ten hours on the bus. It's still three or four-hour bus trip. Once you get down south, I don't have their schedule in front of me, but I'm assuming that they're playing Lethbridge, Medicine Hat, and Swift Current sort of in that order. That would cut down the uh, the travel time between those cities because they're fairly close, maybe an hour and a half. Still a lot of hockey in a very short period of time. We'll see. This is really a big test for the uh, T-Birds, who have only played five games, but in 10 days from now, they will have played 11 games, which is what most teams have played now so they'll still be behind uh, some clubs but with this heavy schedule they will certainly be catching up that is going to do it for this week's episode of the pipeline show quick reminder can't do the program without the continued support of my patrons you're fantastic i really appreciate the assistance early access to every interview that you hear on a full episode of the pipeline show if you're listening to this on edmonton sports talk you don't know what i'm talking about each guest segment that you've heard today those are available to subscribers usually the same day the interview happens, and all individually. That could be two days before a full episode comes out. If you are if you are listening to this on Edmonton Sports Talk, it's either a Saturday or a Monday. A patron would have had access to these interviews three or four days, maybe even five days before you're hearing it right now driving around in your car. It's a couple of bucks a month, U.S. Less than that, if you subscribe on an annual basis, you get a 10% discount. If it's something that you think would interest you and you want to help support the show, you find there's value in what the the Pipeline Show does and brings to you, you can do that at patreon.com slash thepipelineshow. Next week on the program, I might have three 2024 Draft Spotlight segments. I've reached out to uh, three different guests. One of them is confirmed. He's a guy who's going to go very high in the 2024 NHL Draft. But if all goes right, there could be a trio of players who are draft eligible next week that we will uh, introduce you to. And of course, we'll catch up to speed on everything happening around the CHL, the CJHL, the USHL, the NAHL, the NCAA, all the leagues that you've come to expect to, uh, to hear about here on the Pipeline Show. But that is it for me. So between now and next week, get out and watch some junior or college hockey so that you and I can talk about it next week right here on the pipeline show it's brought to you by wilhock beef jerky and my name is Guy flaming see ya